0: listening to a message from Stonegate Church. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, please visit Stonegate.Church. All right, so I'd like to start off this morning by showing you a, a picture from the 1920s uh, that's going to help us understand what Paul is trying to get at in writing his letter to the church in Colossae. So here's the picture. And uh, and what we have here in this photograph uh, is from the early 1920s, probably taken in Portland, and you have robed and hooded members of the Ku Klux Klan sharing a stage with members of the Royal Riders of the Red Robe, uh, a KKK auxiliary for foreign-born white Protestants. And now, if you don't know anything about the Ku Klux Klan, uh, or the KKK, which is, uh, according to Wikipedia, it's an American white supremacist terrorist hate group whose primary targets are African Americans, as well as Jews, and immigrants, and homosexuals, and other various groups. And now, on one level, uh, it's, it's disturbing that this group existed in America, right? In the land of the free. Uh, And then on another level, uh, maybe a more disturbing one, you see uh, uh, the sign, the sign at the top of this picture, uh, reads, Jesus saves. Jesus saves, like right right smack dab in the center, high and lifted up in this place uh, of worship with hooded uh, clan members. And and what uh, this group has ultimately done uh, is uh, they have mixed in with their doctrine of Jesus saves this idea of 100% Americanism that rested in the political ideology of white supremacy and the superiority of native-born Americans. They, they had mixed in their gospel doctrine with man-made, self-elevating doctrine. And then doing so produced that culture, that, that picture Okay, and, and and so I'm sure you're confused. I hope that you are, uh, and, and probably even maybe more than confused, right? When you see a picture like that, that that's because uh, gospel doctrine, what we believe about the gospel, isn't supposed to be mixed with man-made, man-elevating rules. Rather, uh, gospel doctrine is supposed to be matched or aligned with gospel culture, what what we do with the gospel. our our faithfulness to the gospel, the uh, the relational beauty of the gospel, those two concepts are supposed to align, or at least supposed to, right? Uh, Which is why this picture, that picture doesn't really make sense. And in our text today, Paul, Paul gets a report of the church in Colossae, and this report illustrates a picture of this church that leaves Paul confused, and leading up to chapter three, as we heard a few weeks ago from Jimmy, the church in Colossae was having trouble with their doctrine mixing that led to counterfeit Christianity. And, th- and this seemed to disturb Paul. Their, their doctrine, you died with Christ, was being mixed in with self made religion. Their doctrine ended up becoming Jesus plus do nots and cannots. Jesus plus, do nots and cannots. submission to rules, not, not commitment to relationship, freedom, by performance and experience, not Jesus, right? And Paul is just confused. Like he, he doesn't get it. He's saying like, "You're supposed to be alive., Like, why, why are you acting like dead people? I, I, I don't get it. Why are you submitting to those rules? God, God didn't make those rules. Why are you mixing all of that with Jesus? It's not not Jesus plus uh, or Jesus uh, plus rules or experience. It's, it's just Jesus, amen? amen. Just Jesus, and it, and it gets worse in in chapter three. The, the, their counterfeit Christianity, because of their doctrine mixing, was creating bad gospel culture. There's sexual immorality. There's there's anger towards one another. There's filthy and and obscene talk. There's lying to one another. There's complaining and unforgiveness. There's even division that they've created based upon their own clans and groups. And and Paul's just shook, man. He he can't believe it. He's thinking, you've been made new. Why do you look like your old self? And so so, so this morning, Paul is going to help us cover how being made new is supposed to translate to gospel culture. The, the good kind, that, that, that being made new should give us the, the two ingredients of gospel culture, which are new desires and new doing. New, new desires and new doing. That's that, those are the two ingredients of, of good gospel culture. So let's, let's get cracking. Let's start with uh, new desires, all right? So Paul starts off in chapter three with this. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When, When Christ who is your life appears, you also will appear with him in glory. So Paul here is addressing desires. You see that? He's talking about uh, gospel culture, uh, and he's saying your gospel culture ain't Jesus because you ain't looking at Jesus. You're seeking earthly things because your minds are set on earthly things. He's talking about our desires and our affections. And uh, Matt Chandler, a a pastor at the Village Church in Dallas, talking about worship would define worship this way. Worship is attention. Worship is is attention. And I actually think that's, that's a helpful definition. He, and What he's saying and what Paul is trying to say is that when you become a new creation, your attention shifts. Your seeking shifts. Your, your eyes shift from, from down here to, to up there. And, and, and Christian, let me just say, if you're, if you're a new creation, your, your worship, your attention, your seeking should look a lot like Psalm 27 verse 4, one thing that I've asked of the Lord that that I will seek after, that that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. New, new, New desire means to give our attention to him to have our affections be for him, to enjoy him, to, to love him, to, to cherish him, to abide in him, to, to worship him. And when we die to our old self and we put it to death, what then should be birth is new affections, new desires, where our minds and thereby our affections shift. They shift from earthly things to Jesus things. Like, like for many of us today, like if we translate to 2021, it, it should be where, where our eyes shift from our, from our screens to our savior right? Where, where we go deeper with Jesus than we do with CNN or Fox News or sports or Netflix. And, and let, me, let me just say this real quick. Like th- this is why our elders at Stonegate um, at the beginning of this year have called us to go deeper with Jesus. Deeper with Jesus. It's because, it's because 2020, when you look at it, it 2020 has been a year of, of going deeper, like way deep in the things of this world, right? COVID count, social media, NBA bubble, Tiger King, Bluey for my kids, Bluey, like, like you just name it, like we just go deep into that, like we just deep dive into those things. And, and, and so the question that, that Paul is, is forcing us to ask ourselves is this, are you being formed more by the patterns of this world than by the ways of Jesus? Or, or, or to put it another way, are you being conformed or transformed? And your, your answer to that will, will dictate whether your gospel doctrine and your culture are aligned or not. Paul is saying, your want changes your due. Your want changes your due. And this is James's argument in chapter four, right? In his letter, he's saying this, like, what what, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not that that, that your passions are at war within you? you? You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions." James is trying to tell you that the reason why you struggle with murder and fighting and quarreling or, or even Paul's list, which is anger and idolatry and filthy talk and lying, and you, you just fill in the blank there, right? The reason why you struggle uh, with doing these things is because of the war of passions within you, your affections. You, you don't start with your doing, you start with your desires, Christian, it, start, it starts with identifying that you are mishandling and misguiding your passions and desires within you by spending them on cheap things. And I, I think I just, I just want to love, I mean, this, this not, I'm not just talking to y'all, this is me, right? This would be like most of us in the room. We, we struggle with the old self, with, old desire, with wrong desires, simple desires. And so, so if, if we're there, which most of us should be, the next thing we ask is, what do we do with that? Like if, if we're all saying, yes, I have simple desires. My affections are jacked up. I'm seeking the wrong things. Like what, what, what do we do? Like how, how do we get the new desires where we set our minds on Christ? I'm glad you asked. Verse five, verse five. Let's keep going in the text. Put to death Therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not, do not lie to one another, seeing that you put off the old self with his practices. So, so, so how do you get... New desires, Paul says it begins with killing your old ones. By by putting them to death. This is this is war language. The men in the room, yes, war language! Yes! This is this is it. This is why John Owen famously wrote: be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. That that's it. Like, but do you realize that? Like those are the two options on the table in the Christian life. You kill sin, or sin kills you. And, and I, I think when we like just have those two options out on the table, it, it leaves us to this pressure point for all of us, right? Like, and, and, and the question that you should all be thinking uh, when, you, when you read this passage is, am I taking my sin seriously? if you're still wrestling with the same old desires, it, it might be because you haven't taken them seriously. That you, have, you haven't put them to death, that you haven't waged war against them. If you want to walk in Christ's likeness, like if you, if you want to want to gaze upon the beauty of God, put your sin to death. Take it, take it seriously. It's, it, it's you saying, I, I, I'm not just sorry for my sinful desires, but I'm ready to wage war on them. It's, it's I ain't playing around with this anymore. I want to I bring it into the light. Christian, Paul is telling us that the way we get new desires is by first waging war on the old ones. You just have to believe that. Like, don't, don't let Tiger King fool you. What, what's, what's Tiger King? Pet tigers everywhere, right in the house. I don't care how many times you've watched it or how inspired you feel by, like, by Tiger King, you can't keep pet tigers in the house. You just can't. That thing will kill you. It'll kill you. You might have trained it. You might think it's cute. You might think it's cuddly. But here's, here's how the scriptures talk about it. It's saying... That tiger is waiting to rip your head off. Y'all don't believe me? 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour. Galatians 4.7, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Luke four verse thirteen. and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him, look at this, until an opportune time. This is the Bible trying to sober you, to give you warning, to wake you up to the reality that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, which is this, you are in a war zone. You you, you are being attacked. Your sin wants to kill you and devour you. You're in a war zone. It might might seem quiet and calm right now, but your sin is just waiting for an opportune time to pounce on you and devour you. So Paul's just telling us and encouraging us this morning don't don't play with your sin. Don't don't, don't let that thing plant roots and grow. You you uproot it and put it to death. This is the only pathway to new desires uh, through killing your old ones. They they, they can't both exist. They can't coexist. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 6, no no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Your, Your new identity forces you to choose to seek the things that are above where Christ is or seek the things such as money, the things that are on earth. Your new identity forces you to draw the line in the sand of where you get your joy. Verse four will say it this way. When Christ, who is your life, appears. Your, your new identity forces you to answer the question, where do I get life from? Purpose from? Is, is, is it from Jesus? Is it from him? Or is it from the things he's created? G- good things not not ultimate things, not your life things. So if you're a Christian risen with Jesus, given a new identity, you're asking yourself the question who or what has my attention? What, what what do I give my time and affections to? What what am I setting my mind on? And if it ain't Jesus, put it to death. Don't don't play with it, don't, don't humor it, but but put it to death, amen? And then after you put it to death, Paul says, then to get the second ingredient of gospel culture, he gets to that, which is new doing. So new desires, new desires, new desires lead to new doing. And there's two parts of new doing that we're going to tease out. It's putting on and living out. Okay. So so new doing, yeah, putting on and living out. So let's start with putting on in verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy. And beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So in verses 12 and 14, we'll, we'll get back to verse 13 in a second, but Paul is telling us to put on these attributes. Attributes of kindness and humility and meekness. And in verse 14, he says to put on uh, uh, this attribute that, that is above all the others and, and binds all these things together, which is love. And Paul, what he's doing here, he's going out of his way to say, if, if you put, you can put on any of these great attributes, but if you do it without love, you're going to be a mess. It, it, it's going to be a mess and you're, it, you will be a mess. And Paul actually. And, and, and another passage, he's making the same argument in 1 Corinthians 13, which reads, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as so to, re- to, to remove mountains, but I have not love, love i am nothing and if i if i give all that i have and i I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love i gain nothing so what is what is paul getting at well in this passage he's referring to some amazing miraculous things right like speaking in tongues we don't talk about that speaking in tongues that's amazing prophetic powers keen understanding great faith that removes mountains like those are pretty incredible right and, and Paul's saying, you can do all those great things, but without love, you gain nothing and are as noisy and annoying as clanging cymbals. Y'all see that? And, and the same goes for this passage as we're putting on these Christ-like attributes, humility, compassion, meekness, great attributes, amazing attributes, but repulsive without love. The, the, the type of love that is Christ-like, that binds all those things together and ties them up in a neat little bow. The, the type of love that is a Christ-like love, that according to Paul Tripp is this, willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation or that the person being love is deserving. That, that, that type of love. That is good gospel culture, my friends. You, be, you being willing to, to sacrifice purely for the sake of someone else's good, with compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. Friends, the, the, the gospel should compel us to do that. To, to, to put that on in our friendships, in our, in our marriages, in our working relationships. Like that type of doing is new doing that gives off the fragrant aroma of Jesus. Amen. So that, that's, that, that's putting on. The first aspect of new doing is putting on. The other one is living out. So let's look at verse 15. We'll finish up uh, with this, the rest of this passage. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you recall to one body. And be thankful... Let let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And what Paul is referring to here, I just want to be really clear. Paul's, Paul is referring not to behavior modification, but to sanctification. And this is what Paul refers to in another letter. He says this in Philippians 2. uh, It's working out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He's saying, yes, there's action. Yes, there's doing, but you first must be acted upon first and always, and, and, and you get hints of this in verses 15 and 16, right? You get the word let, look at your, your, your text, you get the word let twice in this passage, once in verse 15, and once again in verse 16, verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, verse 16, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You'll see that? These are passive verbs. Paul is calling us to allow God to work in us as he works through us in our doing. We're supposed to let the peace of Christ rule our hearts, to let it be king, to let it take over, to to let it dominate any other stronghold or identity that you may have in your life that he refers to in verse 11. Greek or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. He's saying... No, 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 like those identities matter, but they shouldn't rule you. Christ who is all and in all, let his peace rule you. This is what it means to to put on Christ and to to live out your new identity in Christ. God is empowering you and working in you to new doing. He's working in you to be thankful, to be united to the body, to to teach and admonish and to sing and do everything in the name of the Lord. This is what it means to live out your new identity. And if you take a look at what Paul is calling us to live out here, all of those things that he talks about are essentially speaking truth in various ways. Okay? And so so what's he getting at here? Why, why, Why is he talking about just speaking truth in various ways? And what he's getting at is he's trying to tell us that it means you speak truth by resting in it. You speak truth by resting in truth. Verse 15 We're supposed to let the word of Christ dwell richly in us, to let it soak, to let it marinate, to to, to abide in it, to to linger in it, to meditate over it. Like, let it marinate. Have y'all ever marinated meat before? Chicken, ribs. I know y'all going barbecue today. Barbecue. Like, letting that thing soak and marinate. Glory to Jesus, hallelujah, amen right? Now, now, have you ever tried to short-circuit the marinating process before? Like, you didn't let that mug marinate overnight, but you just let it do a couple hours, you know? And you can tell the difference, right? You can tell the difference between letting something marinate for a couple hours, uh, and, and, and that's better than nothing, but it ain't the same thing as letting that mug soak overnight. Amen. And, th- and this, this is what Paul is talking about in his passage. He's not talking about meat, but he's talking about our hearts. And, and let me just say, any time with Jesus in his word is better than none, but it ain't the same as letting the word soak, right? To let it marinate. Let letting that mug dwell and get down into your bones. Just sitting in his presence as you meditate and think on it and pray it. And when you, when you do that, Christian, when you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, you then can be, begin to let his peace rule your heart. You know, here's, here's the thing, Stonegate, nine, nine times out of 10, I'm, I'm serious, nine times out of 10, as we pastor and shepherd people here at Stonegate, people that are struggling with the things that Paul is talking about in this passage, anger, lust, complaining, forgiveness, you throw in anxiety in there too. Like anytime I hear someone struggling with the old self, you want to know what ends up being the case nine times out of 10? They ain't in God's word. They, they ain't in God's word. And typically I, I hear something like this, yeah, yeah, I'm in God's word. I read it. Like, I, I do my thing. I, I, I read it. And then I ask, well, like, just tell me about that. Like, what, what, do you, what do you mean you're in God's word? Like, for how long? Like, like what do you do? And, and when they tell me what they're doing, this is usually what they say. Oh, you know, it's kind of come and go. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of on the move. You know, I read this Devo for a couple minutes. I read this scripture for a second. It's like that version. And now let me be clear. Something is better than nothing. Always. And let me also be clear. I am guilty of seasons where this is me. The answer is, I'll do a little here and there, a little dabble now. you know. I'm good though. So I'm not casting stones. I'm actually preaching to myself right now. Uh, but so many of us are oftentimes wondering why this one thing is ruling your hearts and lives. Sports, lust, social media, alcohol, money, control, anxiety, like you just name it. And if we're struggling with that, we should first be asking the question, am I letting the word of God dwell richly in me? Am I, am I sitting in the word of God? Am I letting it dwell? Am I letting it soak? Am I, am I spending enough time in it to allow it to seep down into my heart so that the peace of Christ can rule it? Am I letting it seep down enough to allow it to expose my sin and lead me to repentance where I'm not just reading scripture, but I'm letting scripture read me? And for for many of us this morning, we just got to confess that the answer to those questions is no. No. It's just, no, we're not delighting daily in Jesus and letting his word dwell richly in us. We're not, we're not resting in his word, and by not resting in his word, we're not allowing what Paul says is supposed to happen in verse 10 to happen, which is having put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We're supposed to be renewed in the knowledge of our Creator, and we do that by resting in the Word of our Creator—not—not—not—not not, not, not the things of this world, not—not not that. But that's what so many of us are doing, right? And today, if that's you, if that—if if that's where you're at, to, like today uh, would be a good day not to just wallow in that guilt about that. If that's where you're at, but actually just walk in new doing. Are you, like, go, go grab a Bible reading plan out on your way out of the bookstore. Um, I think you actually have those in pub tables right when you walk out. Or download the Fighterverse app and just start today. Like, start, pick a place, schedule a time. Like, start with 15 minutes and just start there. Remember, something is better than nothing. Just, just don't stick with nothing. Rather, let, let's all stack our hands. Stonegate, as a family, let's all stack our hands on striving for letting the Word of God dwell richly in us, like, like this, is, this is what Paul's trying to help us understand and know. Like He wants us to understand that to, like, to delight daily in Jesus. In order to do that, uh, when you do that, you receive the peace of Jesus. When you delight daily in Jesus, it is then when you receive the peace of Jesus. To let it, to let it rest in your heart. And, and what that will produce in you is a living out of the good news of Jesus, where you live out what's been made new in you. That, that, that's what new doing is, like putting on and living out, put, putting on Christ's likeness and love and living out of our new identity in Christ. So I, I just wanna close uh, by, by painting a picture for us, church. Um, and it's a picture of the bride of Christ with new desires and new doing, where, where the relational beauty of the gospel is being birthed from the beauty of an old rugged cross, where, where everything is done in the name of the Lord Jesus in love, which Paul says bind, binds everything together in perfect harmony, where, where a culture of complaining is replaced with a culture of thankfulness. Like who doesn't want that church? I, I want that. that that type of church makes Jesus look good. That, that type of church invites the world to taste and to see that he is good. That, that type of church uh, is remembering who they are and resting in what he says so that he may produce good works in his church. It's a it's it's bride of Christ trusting that through the person and work of Jesus, who died on a cross and 3 days later was risen that we trust in that good news and when we do that we get peace that surpasses all understanding we don't we don't have to we don't have to get all worried up and freaked up about just what's going on in the world around us we can we can have the peace that surpasses what we see and what we understand when we put our trust in Jesus this this when we when we trust and believe Put our, put our trust in the fact that he forgave us. Like, it, it, we, this, this is verse 13, right smack so, right dab in the middle of this passage, it says, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Paul isn't saying in verse 12, Put on compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and and forgiveness and love and and just work really, really hard to to put those things on. And if you do, you'll find peace. That's that's not what Paul says. He says instead, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This This is so much better. And trying to white-knuckle your way to right desires and right doing. The gospel rather says this, because Jesus sought after me in absorbing the wrath of God that was coming for me, according to verse 6, I therefore can seek after Jesus. With new desires, new, new doing, but, 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 for, but before Paul ever points to our doing, he points to our being. Who, who we are. He's saying you you can't put on Jesus until you receive Jesus He's telling he, he's telling the Colossians To remember who they are in Jesus and what Jesus has done for them. You've been you've been chosen You you've been made holy you've been you've been loved you are loved That's that's who you are and he's saying our new identity in Christ should compel us to put our sin to death and to put on Jesus to, to put those things on because they, we, we remember that we've been lavished by those things in Jesus. Jesus is compassionate with us and kind with us and, and humble with us and, and meek with us and patient with us. You find the, the character of Jesus at the cross of Jesus where you've been crucified and made a new creation in him. And Paul is trying to help us understand that our new identity should birth a new you with new desires and new doing. So, church, let, let's, let's let his peace rule our hearts so that it can rule his church. Amen. That, that's gospel culture aligning with gospel doctrine. So the question becomes, have you let the peace of Christ rule your heart yet? Have you you trusted in him? Have you thrown your life and surrendered to the King of kings and Lord of lords, who Paul says is seated at the right hand of God, ruling with authority, having defeated death? Have you, have you trusted in him? And, and, and maybe, maybe this, uh, this morning for the first time, you, you in surrender confess and just say, my way isn't working. the the me white knuckling and trying to like do the the new doing without actually receiving newness of life first. Like, Like it's not working. I need peace. My life is a wreck and I need help. And you confess that Jesus's way is the only way that works. And you throw your life upon his life, death, and resurrection to allow his peace to rule your heart for eternity. And and maybe some of you in here, maybe you're not in the camp, you've never trusted in Jesus, but the other camp where you've just been running in circles with your old self and old desires and old doing, and you just can't seem to shake them. And maybe this morning, Jesus is giving you an opportunity where he's like, "I, I just want you to take your sin seriously and leave it at my feet. And then you can put it to death. Like you, you, you want to put your sin to death, to, to, to kill it? The first step to doing that is through confession. You want to kill your sin, you confess it. J.D. Greer says it this way, if you expose your sin, Jesus will cover it. But if you cover your sin, he will expose it. So, so, so I invite you this, this morning to just confess your sin and have it covered by the blood of Jesus. But don't, don't, don't cover it. Don't, don't hide it. Br- bring it into the light where Jesus has already paid the price for it on the cross. Past, present, future, paid. And you're confessing of your sin and bringing it to the cross of Jesus allows the Holy Spirit to open up your heart so that you can receive the gift of repentance where you turn from your sin and you throw your life upon the person and work of Jesus. Like, who needs that this morning? Does anybody need that this morning where you just raise your hand? If you need to confess, like, I need Jesus. I need to confess. I need, I need to throw my life. I see you. I need to throw my life upon Jesus. My way isn't working. I surrender I need Jesus to cover it. I'm tired of trying to cover it myself. Anybody else? The the beauty of of what the good news of Jesus does, we, we, we get to take on the identity and the name of chosen, holy, beloved, and we no longer need be enslaved to our old self. Church, if you are in Christ, you're free. You're free. He's, he's, Paul is just looking at his church and saying, You can do this. You're, you're, you, ha- you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Walk in newness of life, friend. Trust, trust, and you take your sin seriously, bring it to the, the foot of the cross, put your sin to death, and put on Jesus. So when we do that this morning, church, as we, as we continue in worship, I just want to take a moment. Let's pray. I want, I want to pray together. And I want to give you a moment as you're praying, just reflect, to reflect upon um, his word, to, um, for the things that, uh, that might not have been helpful, for the Lord just to remove that and the things that have been helpful and beneficial for you, ask the Lord to just use those gospel truths to pierce your heart. Ask, ask him to let his peace rule your heart. rather than your old desires, your old self. Just ask the Lord to free you from that. Ask the Lord to give you a conviction to take your sin seriously. Philippians 4, 7 says that the peace of Christ will guard our, plural, the church, hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus. God will you protect our hearts this morning? We, we in surrender say we, we're tired of the old self, we're tired of walking the way we've always done for our entire life, and and maybe it's just a moment where I was like, God, give me freedom from my old self. Let me me walk with new desires and new doing. Give me Psalm 27 verse four. Give me the, the one thing that I should desire, which is to dwell in your house and to gaze upon your beauty. Give me that, oh God. God, help us. Give us peace. Give us your word so that we can dwell in it. And we're thankful that you are faithful. You are faithful. You are a God that allows us, when we, when we have this feeling of being enslaved to our sin, you free us in the name of Jesus. And we, uh, we pray these things in that name. Amen.